We are back in the football shed. That was a particularly shit one today, Jeff. You're saying that every week. It's getting worse. <laughs> no, it felt like that was particularly bad. Uh, my name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. What a great week of football. It's a really good week of football. There's a lot of football to talk about. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. What beer have you got today, Rog? Uh, today I'm drinking a Founders All Day IPA. Are you just pouring it everywhere as well? And I'm pouring it. Oh, that's only a little bit. I've um, I've gone to beers today. What are you drinking, John? I'm drinking Budweiser, so I've gone off the red wine and gone to Budweiser. Now, Budweiser is glutard friendly, isn't it? It is glutard friendly. So for anyone out there who is glutard intolerant, like me, you can have Budweiser because it's made with rice. What's uh, made you uh, shift from... The wine. I have to be up early for work, so I can't drink a whole bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're actually glutard intolerant. You're not just glutard unreasonable. Yeah, no, intolerant. You, you're like this, you know, love a special aisle in the no. supermarket that speaks to just you and your kind. It's really expensive. It's well, not a choice. <laughs> we've seen uh, evidence of John's have, condition. Yeah. Oh, yes. We'll leave it there. Um, but welcome to the Football Shed, everyone. We are a weekly podcast by three English blokes who live here in Melbourne. We record each week in Jeff's Shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, preferably a five-star one because that's nicer. Um, subscribe, tell your mates, um, pass it on about the Football Shed. If you want to get in contact with us, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on any of the social medias by just searching Football Shed. And every week we start with a question. This week's question is about West Ham. Oh, great. Star striker great. Andy Carroll was back this week. He was on the bench. Um, he has been injured a lot in his time at West Ham. I took a photo of this. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're going to ask. How, how many times has he been out injured in his six years at West Ham? Are you talking about how many days or how many physical injuries how has many, he... How many times has he gone, I'm back or I'm injured? And then, oh, I'll get back to playing. And then I'm injured. In six years. In six years. Firstly, I can't believe he's been there six years. I know, it's crazy. 114 appearances he's made. In six years? Mm. Didn't Ronaldo make that in a year? Yeah, basically. Um, He's been injured 32 times. Well, that's actually very close. Yeah, very close. 27. It is 27. I'll give it to Jeff. Do you know, well, you, did, you didn't mention his nickname there either, which is my favourite part. What's his nickname? Geordie, the Geordie Jesus. <laughs> Wow. That's if a he, lot of injuries. If, if he was Jesus, couldn't he heal himself? <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be injured so it's often. It's martyrdom. He can, only, yeah. he can only heal others. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which, which is why everyone's a sick note away Um Okay, well, in, in that case, if I'm going to go first, there's only one place to start this week. Go on. And that is with Spurs Chelsea. What a game. It was awesome. I thought you were going to say something really underwhelming. Then, like you, were, you were sort of building up and then going to go, uh, Man United. But no, I think it was I think it was brilliant. Um, I Did you watch the game? Uh, yeah, did. yeah, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And, and one of the standouts for me was Son. Yeah, Son was brilliant. It's the first time Son, Ericsson, Ali and Kane have played together this season. And they were awesome, but Son was particularly good. Yeah, Moore has been playing a lot and he... Wasn't playing. Yeah, he's on the bench. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I just think his performance was excellent. I almost feel sorry for him because no matter how many times he does that on a football pitch, he will always be second fiddle to to mushroom face. And and that and we accept that. That's fine because Harry Kane can score a goal. His second goal, well, Harry, well, it's probably Tottenham's second goal. That 
strike from distance with Harry Kane. I still don't understand how it went in. What happened? Classic like P roll. Well, because David Luiz <clears throat> ducks out of the way. Or turned his back on and it. just turned his back on it. And I think because he's turned his back on it, the keeper's gone. Oh, it's going that, and he's just mis like directed the keeper, and then he's gone. Oh, oh, it's gone. I've watched it back a hundred times, and I don't get it. I don't get why, if that's possible, it doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) No, I mean, it's one of those perfect storm situations where Luis shouldn't have turned his back, and the way he turned his back, it like is appalling it's like we had old I got really excited watching the game so I was like oh there he is it's like an old friend that had gone missing and there's like there's a David Louise we love but he he got out of the way which shouldn't happen and then the keeper was flat-footed like he was going to go the other way and he got beaten at his near post it was just one of those bizarre incidences uh, you know that I am actually a fan of David Louise yeah and we, we have this discussion on a regular basis I genuinely think he's a really good footballer I think he's a good defender. I think he's a good footballer. What exposed him in that game is Tottenham's strategy to absolutely starve Jorginho of any kind of influence on the game yeah. meant that their their reserve playmaker was David Luiz. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. So, so when we're going to judge David Luiz and having, and having a shit game, which, you know, he's being slated for having a shit game. When you look back, he probably didn't have the best game. I mean... We we when we associate with footballers as as football fans, we watch it. Things that you can associate with, you like. He turned his back on that. You're like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, yeah. Show some heart. You know, but actually, we all would. We we of course we would. <laughs> Your natural reaction if the ball's going bigger than yeah, there's a duck out the way. It takes a lot to not do that. Yeah. It would normally be far less exposed. I mean, players do that all the time. Look at the amount of times the wall jumps, and you know, four out of five are like turning at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's not. I'm going to disagree with you. You can carry on if you want, and then I'll disagree with you. But I, it wasn't the second goal that I'd be critical of David Luiz on. It's the third goal, Sun's great goal. And I, I loved it. I loved David Luiz in this goal because I disagree with you. And I think David Luiz is a good footballer. I'll agree with you there. But he's a crap defender. Like, he doesn't really like defending. Um, I think he's, he, you know, I... I He's a good footballer, and I probably and I think centre back is his best position. But he's going to make mistakes, and he's always he's never going to be that quite that top tier defender because he makes too many mistakes. But my favourite bit of the Sun Sun goal is David Luiz's involvement because Sun goes round Jorginho like he's wearing bloody concrete boots or he's in quicksand. I, I, he looks so slow in that moment, but then. You see him, you see him go past him, and then you're like, "Oh, he's, someone's going to surely come covering." And then David Luiz comes absolutely herring in, like Scooby Doo, but then just goes straight past it. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when you were playing sport at school, and sport is compulsory, um, and so you get lots of kids playing sport that don't really want to be out there. Yeah. And I particularly remember it at. Rugby, so I, like I used to like it because I was um, a fat kid. I was this size early, so there was a point. <laughs> there was a point in time when I was quite big. I was a big fat kid, and I just used to be able to run over everyone, and it was great. But you'd have to play rugby with these poor kids because everyone's got to do it, and they just had no interest. And there was, you know, you'd be running at them, and you'd like. I was not particularly skillful, so I'd throw like a terrible dummy or something like that, or somebody would, <laughs> and they would buy it. <laughs> but 
purely so that they didn't have to get involved in any sort of physical contact. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, you got me. Oh, you got me. <laughs> David Luiz's attempt at a tackle just reminded me exactly of that. I was like, you don't really want a tackle. No. But it's just that he comes he comes herring in so quickly. Like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then he just completely you, ran past the keep running. It's like yeah. bad theatre, isn't it? It's like, enter stage left. Leave stage right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Before you even know yeah. it, he's, he's on off one side, out, out the other side of the screen. Yeah, but when, the, the other thing with that goal that surprised me, like that, well, that didn't surprise me. But the thing that surprised me about that goal was I was waiting for. You can guess what I was waiting to happen then, which no. is where's Kante? Because oh, yeah. at that moment, usually what happens is Kante appears from absolutely nowhere and mops up and mops it. And I wondered, going back to your Jorginho point. I think that's part of it, and that Spurs put so much pressure on Jorginho that it also affected Kante, and it was he was having to almost cover more, and he was aware of what Spurs were doing to Jorginho, and so he couldn't necessarily just focus on his, you know, natural game do in you terms think, of breaking up play. Do you think then Chelsea um, have got to change formation? So Sari's pretty. Static in his like he always plays four three three and of the midfield three the deeper one is always the playmaker and it's been Jorginho at Napoli and he's brought him from Napoli to Chelsea. Do you think they should be playing Kante there or do you think they should change to a four two three one so they have Kante next to Jorginho like um, you've got to have did. some flexibility. I think like we've given Southgate credit in England because we haven't ever seen it with England for you know changing. I thought he waited too long to bring on Barkley. I thought that yeah. Chelsea could have brought on Barkley earlier to try and um, change it up, have someone that's going to do something different, run with the ball. Um, you know, you could play Barkley deeper with Kante as well. Yeah. And I thought he left it too long. But having said that, I mean, Spurs were almost out of sight after 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I am going to I'm going to make, as usual, a bit of a sweeping statement and just say, even though they've only lost one game this season, I think the... We were fools to believe that this Chelsea side were, were were contenders, and if they don't change the way they play football, they will struggle from now until the end of the season. And I'm gonna yeah, let go me on. let me premise that what happened in the Everton game last week. So the 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 tight pressing on Jorginho. So we didn't talk about it in last week's pod. Yeah. But it was nil nil Everton against against Chelsea. Yeah. What happened was that. Everton played far deeper than they would have normally played, which meant that between Richarlison and Sigerson, they took turns man-marking Jorginho. If he was playing yeah, on the okay. left-hand side of the pitch, it was... Uh, and, I mean, if you're looking you know, from yeah. goalkeeper down the middle of the pitch, if it was left-hand side of the pitch, it was Sigerson. If it was right-hand, it was Richarlison. As soon as he walked over, to get man-marked and the other guy would be free. What that meant was that there was no outlet ball to the wings. And Chelsea had been doing damage by Hazard, by William, by Pedro. They've not been doing damage Alonso, from, from yeah. like three balls down the middle. It's not been happening. They've been going wide. So if you if you remove the the ability to play quarterback in that side, they're not going to release the ball to those players. Now it's possible then and, and what was happening during that game, and they didn't score, it was a nil nil. What was happening in that game is it was being so um starved that they were playing to the left back and right back and they were trying to play it off the wings. As soon as that happened, there was a, a the the winger might have got the ball, but in a state that the defending team was so organised that that's fine. It's fine if, because it's not being released out to them dynamically. Yeah. It's slowly working its way around to the wing because you've taken out the quarterback. So what Spurs did was instead of uh, 
having two players on, they just man-marked Deli Alley on Jorginho. Yeah. Deli Alley is a bigger kid yeah. who has more fight, more run, more mongrel in him. Yeah. And what happened with Son is Son played really far forward, yeah. which meant that the, there was there was space in between them. So Deli Alley followed Jorginho all the way around. It was two which up meant top, that, really, wasn't it? It was Kane, Kane. Alley was playing behind Kane and Son. Yeah, and, and Son yeah. was playing in a very advanced. Almost, a, he was the striker, yeah. and and Harry Kane was uh, number Dropping ten, off, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what what happened with Jorginho is is because he was being man marked that whole first half. All he could do was play it back to the defenders. So when I say David Luiz didn't have that bad game, David Luiz was being asked to do something that he is not very good at. He was uh, he was kept getting the ball back, and that there was a point where he was just absolutely losing it. He yeah. finally made a run up the left wing, and he was sh- he was shouting and pointing into space, and no one was running into that space. And and uh, Spurs went tight on him, nicked the ball back, and he just threw his hands in the air and was just uh, just. A, Fuck, like, yeah. fuck this. Yeah. Because he's being asked to do a job that he shouldn't be doing because they're set up for him not to have to do that job. So he was absolutely in the deep end. I think I, I put that all down to Spurs and Pochettino being brilliant. I, I agree. Yeah. And another thing that, that Spurs did in this game, which I think was was really clever, was when they, when they had a goal kick, they stretched the pitch. Yeah. So every single goal kick, Son would go really high. Now, obviously, you can't be offside from a goal kick. Because it's a kick in your own half. Yeah, yeah. So you can't be offside wait, wait. From, from a goal kick. No, you can be offside from a goal kick. Because you can't be offside from a pass in your own half. Yeah, you, you can. can. Someone was standing right he on can stand the on halfway yeah, yeah. line. So super stretch. Yeah. He would run up as soon as... If you're in your own half, yeah. it's not yeah. the yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. someone was standing right up there, super stretched. Yeah. Pulling... Uh, uh, I can't remember who was playing centre-back for, for Chelsea, pardon me. Um... Rudiger. Rudiger. Rudiger didn't know whether to, to keep the high line or to, or to mark the player yeah. which means that the line was already disjointed as soon as the kick would happen the defenders the Spurs' defenders that were sitting deep at that point would push up really high so they went from a really stretched team to a really narrow team within the phase of a goal kick yeah, okay. now you're watching Chelsea try and react to that at the same time as the player who, if it fell to Jorginho, has no time to breathe. Yeah. And because of that, it just put the cat amongst the pigeons. They just couldn't deal with it and had no plan B. I watched the first half um, and in full, and the first 20 minutes, half an hour, Spurs were so good. Like Watching it, you were just like, they have a game plan. They Those front four... Um, Interchange, like mm. you said, Kane drops into ten, and then Ericsson goes in the middle suddenly, and then goes wide. Son dropped out wide, and goes up front and stuff. Ali was brilliant on Jorginho. Um, Eric Dyer, I think, is getting better and better. Eric Dyer realizes he's not quick and he's not Kante, but he can win the ball, and he's big and he's aggressive and he's a leader. He wins the ball and just gives it to someone better. And then Sissoko somehow is suddenly got to, good. Suddenly to yeah. player. Um, he's just he's got the legs um, alongside Dyer. So suddenly they look like a really good team. And I think it's fair play to Spurs and Pochettino for they didn't sign any players. They've got this problem with the stadium. They haven't moved into the new stadium. But there hasn't been any panic. There hasn't been any grumbling. All there's been is like Let's get down. Let's work hard. Let's do really well. We're third in the league. And you can tell Pochettino's not happy about the stadium scenario. But, but you're he's, right, he's getting on with it and just, yeah, he's, he's not he's, whinging. He said he's not happy with it, but he's like, you do what you can with what you've got. He's brought in, like, Foyt, the youth player, and a few other youth players are coming through. Moira was brought in 
um, January yeah, last year. Lamella's back from injury, so you've kind of got three or four new players. Can I, can I just jump in with a yeah. fact check? You can't be offside from a goal kick. You made me question myself there. It's like a throw-in. You can't be offside from a oh, goal I kick. Know. Which is, so that's exactly why the play was yeah. so oh, stretched. But what you obviously can as soon as the ball's active. So as soon as the ball's active, so if it gets flicked flick on, on yeah. then you're offside. But the, but the actual, actual kick, yeah. which is the reason why if you're a centre-back, you don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't okay, know whether to sense. follow the striker who's stretching the game or to keep your yeah, line. Okay. Yeah, yeah cool. but it, it, I um, go back to your original point, you know, do you put it on Pochettino being really good or how much do you put on Sarri? And, it, you know, it clearly wasn't working and he didn't really change yeah. and Sarri doesn't necessarily have a second way of playing and I think part of that is I mean I haven't I don't know where I necessarily agree that I, I haven't seen Chelsea as a challenger they think they've played well but I mean we talked about <clears throat> the very limited amount of time that Sarri has had with this team mm. and perhaps that's part of it in terms of him you know he hasn't had long enough to develop that second way of playing if things aren't going well or to perfect his way well enough or maybe yeah. it's a criticism of his managerial style that he is so wedded to that way of playing, and the you know the weakness there is if someone figures it out, what what do you well, do? Well, I, I think with Sarri and Chelsea, it reminds me a bit of Man City and Guardiola in the first season. Like everyone's yeah. like, oh, Guardiola's only got one way of playing; he can't do it in the Premier League. Oh no, he's re- he turns out he's crap. Well, actually, it just took him a while to suss it out. I think Sarri is an excellent manager and will suss it out. I don't think... It annoys me when pundits suddenly go, oh, if Kante was there, it'd be all right. If Kante was playing defensive midfield, it'd be fine. Whereas they've actually gone undefeated all season until now. So don't suddenly in one game say it's the worst idea. You can't change it. But but, but he's going to learn to tweak it and have a different style and a different way of playing against the bigger teams. I'm not saying you're you're both wrong. I I do think that there is evolution and he's learning the league and he's learning that he does need a plan B. And everything you've said is right. I just think that we saw it coming last week and then the Spurs game, we saw saw it coming against a team who are not as ruthless as Tottenham. And Tottenham mm. did the same thing, and are more ruthless. Which they, means that just, you now have a blueprint for what to do, and it's and it's early in the season to see a blueprint work two games in a row and have someone not change it. Yeah, maybe we haven't given Spurs enough credit either, because I, I mean I've talked about this season being a two horse race, but I mean Spurs are was it their second best ever start to yeah. a season? It's their best ever now. Their best ever. They're only five points off top. We've been raving about the City blueprint machine all year and Liverpool. And, and Spurs are only five. They're they're in the title race. If City like, and Liverpool didn't exist, to like Spurs in a league five years ago would be top of the league. Like yeah. it's only because we have this freak team in Man City, and then this equally freak team in Liverpool who are trying to copy them or get to that level that Spurs are only third. But usually, if you've got thirty points after thirteen games, you're top of the league. Yeah, so. and I, I think you're right. Like, did you say it was the first time that four have played together yeah. this year? And that's scary. They. They look so good when they play like that. The um, Suns, uh, my only criticism of Sun, I thought he was great. I agree, and he caused Chelsea so much problems with his pace. And I think he's really important to Spurs because of that. But he should have had a hat trick. Um, and I thought the but the one where he missed with the half volley, yeah. Um, the you know Ericsson is one two, and Ericsson clipped it over the top. The build up in that. Oh, bit of was play so was brilliant. Like mm. the one and one and two touch pass and move, all you know, changing positions, yeah. and it just and Chelsea have been good defensively this season, and they just didn't know what to do. And, and you know, the biggest compliment to Spurs is that 
Sun is a player who can't get in Spurs' starting lineup, and yet he would cost any other Premier League side fifty million and would start every game. Yeah, yeah. No, and that true. says the depth and strength that they have. And we bang on about them not signing players, but actually, when they've got Sun coming back, they don't need to. No. Should Chelsea have had a penalty, and it would have been yes. one all? Yeah, Hazard was that was a penalty. It bit he. It's a bit like Wilfred Zaha. He doesn't help himself sometimes in that that was definitely a penalty. But then the second one, um, towards the end of the game, yeah. he just went down like a sack of spuds with minimal contact. And you're like, well, that's why he didn't get the first one even, yeah. because he, because he, he basically died. People do that. Yeah. Let's move from the top of the league to the bottom of the league. Um, Jeff, you said you wanted to talk about the bottom seven. I've put in the running order, <laughs> is it six? And then before we started, you said, oh, maybe it's eight. Maybe it is eight. Because basically between 13th and 20th, so that is the bottom eight, there is only four points, which is ridiculous. Um, now, the big game was the Fulham against Southampton game. Um, Fulham ended up winning 3-2. What I loved about this game, it was like watching a proper end-of-season relegation battle. We're only 13 games in, but it was just like a proper just launch balls into the box. Hopefully Mitrovic will head it. And um, we'll see what happens. Southampton had no game plan, just hope. I, I um, it was carnage. I felt quite vindicated though, because I don't think there was anything necessarily in this game that we didn't that we didn't talk about last week or didn't know. In that um, Southampton are awful, although oh, they they, they were bossing the game early on, but they just they didn't take their chances and they didn't really create many clear cut chances. I think that was their mm. issue. They had a lot of the play, but um, Fulham can't defend. No. Or defend very naively, but they didn't. They had you know hardly any play in the first half. But the moments, and this is why I think Fulham will be okay if they sort out defensively, because the, their goals and the moments when they created opportunities, the football that they played to create those chances mm. and the goals was very good, and will trouble not only teams at the bottom, but teams at the top. Like, yeah. but you know, pretty pretty much all three of their goals, like you know, Sessegnon looked dangerous. Sessegnon's cross was um, excellent. Kearney um, yeah. come back in and looked good. Like Mitrovic was, you know, bullying the um, Southampton centre backs. But and I was like, you know, like their, yeah, their first goal. I was like, that you know would have caught that would cause Man City problems. So I think if they can, they've got enough in the forward half. That if they can just figure out a way to stop shipping so many <laughs> crap yeah. goals. They'll be fine. They'll yeah. be absolutely it's, fine. It's rare, and I, it's, it's hard to say it in, a, in a season when Man City are doing many things that, you've, that you can't believe. But it's rare that you see something in football that you think, oh shit, that's really cool. Yeah. And Sessegnon's cross for that second that was goal awesome. was brilliant. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the pace, the fact that he played it behind the whole back line, yeah. with, like, with space, behind the back line with about a yard to go, yeah. into the back post on the floor. You see that cross and you're like, that is it's absolute perfect. vision. Yeah. It's brilliant But to he watch. didn't look up though. So I want, did he just put it in a good area? Or do you think he knew Schroeder? Schroeder well, okay, so what's his job? His job is to put it in that area. Yeah. It's Schroeder's Schroeder's <laughs> job to get on the end of it. Yeah. It's Mitrovic's job to get on the end of it. He doesn't necessarily have to check they're there. And how many times do you see that in football? Where they spad across to the back post and they look up and they're like, where was everyone? Like, yeah. Yes, it's good if they look first, but their job is to get the ball there in an attacking position on a counter-attack. And that cross was succulent. It was, it was on a plate. It yeah. was brilliant. And you're right, I mean, it's just so good to see him looking... I was so excited about him coming up this year, having seen him in the Championship a bit. And he looked 
really dangerous. And you're like, you forget he's 18. Yeah, like, I kind yeah. of feel like you, you know, you're almost a bit down on it's him been because, because you're like, you know, it's a bit of a blip, hasn't started this year. You know, yeah. why isn't he tearing the Premier League to, to shreds? <laughs> but he, the kid's 18, yeah. you know, and, and he's it, been playing left back, left wing, left wing back, like he's yeah. been going everywhere. And uh, I think Ranieri, be, Ranieri coming in, one of the with his experience and knowing how to make a team defend. And also knowing when a good player is a good player, he'll turn round to. He made Vardy better by just going, "You're really good at running and scoring goals. Just run and score yeah. goals." <laughs> like he didn't. He keeps it simple, and he'll do the same for Sessignon. He'll be like, "You're quick. You can cross. Just be quick and cross. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, make don't it. look up. Don't yeah. look up. Don't confuse yeah. yourself, kid. Just be quick and, and you cross. You don't need to do when you've yeah. got that much pace." And you direct, and then the other stuff comes later. I mean, I think you know people have compared him with Gareth Bale. When when Gareth Bale was young, he was a head down kind yeah. of player. I suppose you know, he, he couldn't was, get in the team. Yeah. So like, it takes a while to progress. A few things that we just have to nod our hat to in the Premier League last week. Um, Man City won four 0 uh, I like. Wait, to wait, just... wait, wait, wait. We're on the bottom half, Jeff. We're, 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 let's not talk about Man City just yet. We're talking on the bottom six. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, John. We're only talking about Fulham Southampton. <laughs> I, I want to talk about the fact that Newcastle have won three in a row. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Fulham Southampton game. Was great though. You're right. I agree. It was like that end of season carnage, and I still have a suspicion that we might see them down there at the end because I mean, are Fulham really going to fix all their deficiencies and Southampton? They'll survive, but they'll struggle. But um, Newcastle have won three in a row now, um, which is ridiculous considering that where they were. You said it, John. You, you said it. You, like, we sat here, what, four weeks ago, two months ago, whatever, and you said, look, he knows what he's doing. He's pragmatic. He will have looked at these fixtures and gone, we're going to get nothing out of this. But the next five, we'll get something out of And then we know, so we know yeah. mathematically in, in, yeah. in blocks. And you yeah. said it. And we were both sitting here, Rog, you and I going, it's just not, not going to happen. Worst yeah. team in the world. And they look at this chunk of games and they go, well, this is our opportunity. Yeah. And if they win three, and then next week they've got West Ham at home. Ugly goals in that game, by oh, the way. Oh, awful. Really like, like there's, no, there's no point paying to go and watch them. No. Like, it's ugly, but he'll get your results. And Rafa will get them finishing 12, 13. Yeah, if, they, if they he stays. We've said this all yeah. year. If he stays, they'll stay up. Yeah. And the last on the bottom ones before we go on, sorry, Jeffa, is Huddersfield. They won 2-0 away at home. Away from home to Wolves. How? Like I told you, it was going to come good. Yeah, but Didn't you should you have talk, bet on it. We yeah. talked about this last week, Did, and last week you said he's paying eight dollars for them to win or something. Eight fifty, I think. Yeah. And then you were like, "Oh, it's maybe worth a bet." And then you didn't. And I, and I didn't do it because I'd already done my bet before I talked myself into it whilst live on the pod. I'd already pre-arranged my bet. But remember, it was the this what stuck stuck what stuck out <laughs> what stuck out was the the statistics about crossing and not. Yes. Get not shooting, so it was that they they statistically have the highest volume of crosses in the Premier League, but yet the fewest headers. And it was like, well, that will eventually come good. They will eventually know where to stand, know what to do, and they obviously have a strategy that's working. Mm. They just need to get there. But Although, neither of their goals were from crosses. No, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but Moyes' goals were both excellent. Both great, mm. yeah. yeah, like his first volley to side foot a volley from the edge of the box takes great technique um, and so like very calm like yeah. he, he he, you just sensed that he knew exactly what he was doing uh, in every part of that and you're right it's so easy to blaze away but he sort of passed it yeah. into the bottom corner 
And you know, uh, his but his free kick was excellent. But I also heard on the radio this week there's talk of people saying he's the best midfielder outside the top six. And I don't know what like we're sat in Australia, so we're biased, but. He's really good. He's a very the only thing that I mean I always harp on about. If he had a yard, if he had a yard more pace, yeah. <laughs> but he, he is. I, I think that intelligence gets underrated in footballers, and he can get away with perhaps with not having the pace because he's so he's so I smart. There are some very good midfielders outside the, the top six, the likes of Gilfie Sigerson, Felipe Anderson. I don't think that that is. Uh, a yardstick to judge him on. Yeah. However, I do think he's an incredibly underrated player. Mm. What struck me this week is is if you read, so if you don't watch the game, don't know who Aaron Moy is necessarily, yeah. that you know that he plays for Huddersfield and he's bald. Yeah. <laughs> all you hear about and all you read about is the fact that he is one from Australia, two bald. Yeah. Which every, is so he scores important. every now and then, and it's like, oh well, the bald Australian bloke scored <laughs> and then moved on. Yeah. You are either in that school of thought or you are debating whether he's the best midfielder outside the top six. Which means if you actually get into what he does, if you can appreciate it on a kind of, I'm not going to be, you know, hipster at a higher footballing level or whatever, (laughs) but if you can appreciate what he does from a footballing level and what he does for a team that is really, you know, in a different league to other Premier League teams. And and having experienced Aaron Moy like we have from an Australia perspective yeah. for a very long time, you can understand the nuances of his game. And when you watch it work in the Premier League, you think, actually, you are that good. Yeah. And and yes, Rog, he's slow, but he always has time. He always yeah. has space. And that is a good player. And not only that, he's strong. He always brushes defenders off his back. He always can turn. He, in tight situations he always gets out of it with the football and space yeah I think the thing when we watched him regularly at Melbourne City um, you always said that he could make it in the Premier League and I was like no championship max and my thing was always the pace issue Um, and he always looked like he had time but like I think I could look like I had time in the A-League like everyone's (laughs) slow so you're like does it actually transfer to the Premier League but he has just at every level he's played, he's transferred. And with the lack of pace, he's going to get better with age. Like, he's mid to late 20s now. Um, he's the kind of midfielder who's, when he's 33, 34, he's actually going to be the same pace and he will just be more experienced at playing at that level. I think so. you're exactly right. I, I actually think that there is one big move left in Aaron Moy. Mm. And I, I think a club will take a punt on him. And a bigger club than Huddersfield. And I don't mean disrespect Huddersfield. But yeah. I mean, because... They are where they are, but a bigger club than Huddersfield is a, an Everton or a West Ham, a Newcastle United or yeah. a West Ham. Yeah. I mean, even though they're they're in and around that same zone in the Premier League, a big move, yeah. you know, is if Aston Villa get promoted and it's Aston Villa, yeah. that kind of thing is 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 right for someone of his, of his skill set. But it's it's just so interesting to see that in popular consensus, he's either bald Australian or amazing. There's no middle ground. There's, There's no, no yeah. oh yeah, he's good. Good he's football, right. Aaron Moy. Doesn't happen. You're dead right though, John. I think it's that when you see someone that every level that they play at, they improve. They meet the level. You yeah. know that they're, they're a really good footballer. Yeah. And I think, you know, particularly because he hasn't, he's not like he's a youngster, but he's still... You know, so can I think there's no reason to expect that he can't keep doing that. You know, you keep um, putting it in front of him, and he'll. My get big thing for Moy is that he used to play at Saint Mirren in Scotland, or in the Championship in Scotland at the moment, I think, and he got rejected by them and came back to Australia. And he could have easily at that point gone, 
over. But he just went, no, I'm going to learn from that and learn from that and learn from that. And it, it's awesome. But um, His coach, the uh, last thing I'll say on Moyes, is I had an interview with his coach when he came back from Scotland and yeah. signed for Western Sydney Wanderers when they were the, the normal new, season. New team, yeah. Brand new team. And um, so his coach at Western Sydney, they were doing uh, target practice. They were shooting balls in bins. Mm. I mean, this is the A-League, isn't it? So you, you know, <laughs> at that point, you didn't have much more resource. So they were lining bins up and yeah. shooting balls in bins. And Moy was just cracking him in from distance cracking him in mm-hmm. from distance and uh, he supposedly he went up to Moy tapped him on the shoulder yeah. and said oh right okay you, you're getting it yeah. so let's just try with your weaker foot and Moy turned around and was like this this is my weaker foot I'm right footed <laughs> and according yeah. to the coach he was like whoa yeah. okay we've got a, we've got one here <laughs> we've, got, we've, got, we've got one we've got a player but uh, uh, Philip Billing was also um, yes he was really, really good. good in this game and has been good I think him and Moy is a as an axis in yeah. the last. Well, who's few, the other guy? Hog. Few but, games, yeah. yeah, Hog. So I think the three of them, but particularly uh, there's you know a lot of talk about Billing potentially getting a move as well. But I think him and Moy have definitely been the you know the protagonists behind Huddersfield's improvement in the yeah. last few weeks. Are they going to stay up? No. Um. There a chance. I think there could very easily be three worst teams in Huddersfield and this year. Um, Jeffa, you wanted to talk about your, the exciting Man City. Oh, I just wanted to point out that all four of Man City's goals were inside the six-yard box. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, would, I would like to point two things out on Man City. I have listened on two separate radio, one re- like live radio, one podcast. Um, people are turning to your ways, Jeff. Like, they might be a month, six weeks behind... But um, there, is, there is a person on the um, BBC who did the commentary for the game, and she said in the second half, "Got a bit bored, to be honest. Like you knew what was going to happen, and I got bored of the game." And then on another podcast, um, they were talking about for about fifteen twenty minutes about how Man City fans may be getting bored of this scenario. And actually, if you go and watch games after twenty minutes and there isn't a goal, people get a bit huffy, going. Oh, we should be three 0 up by now, and maybe you're right. It is maybe perfection's crap. But I, I, at the same time, there is something beautiful about, it. and you're kind of like the, the other thing that I think of. I look at like it was it was the Sane and Sterling show in this game, really. Yeah. And you're like, fuck these kids. And as Sterling spoke after the game, and he's rubbish at talking yeah. to the media. Like he's, you realize you're like shit. He's a kid. Like, yeah. You know, he's not particularly articulate. Um, but you know, I think he said something along the lines of, "Oh, we, we play quite well, but we can do better. Like we've got to do better." Something, you know, something toe the line, genius like yeah. that. But at the same time, you watch him and Sane play, and they're both so quick, they're so good, and they're like both twenty three or something. I young. Sane's twenty. Sane's twenty. They're all signing 20. new long term deals. And, like, <laughs> it's not going to go away. No. Like they're just going to keep keep doing this, and it's so hard. The first goal, I'm like. Oh, it's actually quite difficult to stop because Sterling just, you know, got a yard, um, played it near post. Yeah. David Silver darts in front of his man. Eight goals this season for David Silver, by the way. What a, what a legend. The thing is, that when you say it's not going to stop, the same players that play for Manchester City playing for a different coach, and it will not be the same. And Guardiola usually takes three years coaching, one year off. That's his, yes. that's his usual yeah. pattern. And yeah. this is his third year at Manchester City. I'm not saying he's not going to be here next year. I'm saying that he's not... a. Uh, Fergie, he's not going to be here 20 years. And thank fuck for that. <laughs> Although, I get an inkling, like, 
at Man City, it really feels like it's his image that, like, at Barcelona, you had Messi there already, and there was kind of Iniesta was already Xavi, there, Xavi was there, yeah. and there was the startings of it. Bayern Munich, he was taking over the European champions, so that's not difficult. Um, Man City, it feels like he struggled for a year. He's built this whole club in his image, so the kids are coming through and being built in the Guardiola way. In a year or two's time, he probably actually could just sit down and watch, and they could keep going, going, going. You're right, because didn't they get the sporting director from Barcelona yeah. to T- do T- the academy T- T- before yeah. he even came? Yeah. So they've just been running it. But that's the thing. This is a long-term strategy. No matter what you think about it, they started trying to build their academies to play this type of football way before they were playing this type of football in the first Mm. team. And, And they've created their DNA. And that's what every club wants to do and bangs on about and then sacks their manager after six months because they haven't created DNA yet. <laughs> like it, It's absurd watching them actually successfully do what everyone else is trying yeah. to do and has been trying to do for the last 50 years. But what, I mean, the other thing I want to talk about is not Man City mm. with this. It, I have a similar feeling about Liverpool at the moment, which is why yeah, I okay. think this is a two-horse race this season. They did win 3-0 away from home very, with no dramas. Very un-Liverpool-like this year. Like last year, we were all on board. Let's face yeah. it, even Jeff was a Liverpool fan last year <laughs> because, you know, the way they played was amazing. They blew some teams out of the water, but you also knew that a crisis was just around the corner yeah. or some terrible defending or, you know, something something bad was going to go wrong. You know, most Salah gets injured in the Champions League yeah. final. Yeah, there was always something, but it's different this year. I feel like, you know, Liverpool haven't been talked about as being... Uh, you know, playing great football this year, but I th- I think that they have changed the way that they play a bit, and there is th- there's a similar feeling of inevitability that you get when you watch Man City that Liverpool are finding ways to win. Now I talked about they're playing each other soon, aren't they? And we yeah, it's, um, it's in a few weeks. It's right? in a few weeks, but I I don't think Liverpool are going anywhere See, I, I, and I can't believe I'm going to say this whilst we're recording our conversation because you know where my loyalty's like mm. but you, have you seen the movie Armageddon <laughs> yes alright you know when they, they get the spaceship and they land on the um, with um, what was that uh, horrible Bruce, song Bruce Willis uh, Bruce Willis uh, Aerosmith, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. <laughs> and they got John Coffey that big bloke yes who's like yeah. a driller John <laughs> you know, that's not John Coffey but you know, in the that's, Green uh, Mile, the green mile. <laughs> yeah. so John Coffey and Bruce Willis are like bagging about up, up on the asteroid yeah I feel like is it that the, guy? The asteroid. Yeah. Yes, that bloke. Yeah, yeah. yeah isn't it? Bing Rames or something? Big fella. Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah, okay. fella. Like, <laughs> I can fight for it. I can fight for it. I feel like Man City are the asteroid and Liverpool <laughs> are Bruce Willis and John Coffey. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it, the unstoppable event we've got this little glimmer of hope that is a little rabble led by Bruce Willis that are up there having a dig, having a go, and there's a possible chance there'll be a Hollywood ending when, when, when we get through the asteroid and save the Earth. And I can't believe that I'm putting Bruce Willis, John Coffey faith in Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> but that's how I look at them. Well, like I genuinely want them to keep winning because I want there to be a title race yeah. and I want it to go to the end and I want it to go to the last few weeks of the season and I don't care if they 
win both of them win every game but at the end of it there's one game to go and they are both in it by one or two points and they both play great football fine I, I agree and it, you know we talked about I was thinking about it in the context of you know have the um, the better teams in the Premier League got better and the worst teams got worse and there's more of a gap and then I was like I don't actually care if it means that we've got a relegation battle that goes to the final day yeah. and, and a title yeah. race like that's what we want yeah. I don't give a shit about the middle really as long as we've got like you know if there's a bigger gap between them and the nah, better teams it's only when which is what hap- is happening you get boring this, games I suppose you, like Leicester are playing Watford this week ninth against 10th you just go don't care but, but that's fine it's very hard to pick this week I think but yeah I, I, I just I watched the Liverpool game they didn't play great football uh, they won their fullbacks are both brilliant Alexander Arnold 18 year old kid uh, scores a wonder goal the, his free kick I I couldn't believe that that was a fullback like the <laughs> taking the ball the off way, Salah to, yeah. to give but, it a go and, but the way that he whipped it I mean people have said it was like Beckham and it was a bit his mm. body shape the way when he struck the ball that's what yeah. it reminded you of and I'm like this is a, this kid is a fullback an 18 year old fullback and he can do that as well and we've got Kieran Trippier we've basically got all the best right backs yeah. <laughs> like, but I yeah I just um, Liverpool's front three we know all about them they, they're going to keep a minute and they're more solid this year uh, Kaita can't get a game yeah. and yet they're you know right my only there. disappointment is that Henderson got sent off did you see his sending off though? Yeah. He's such a dickhead. No, but the second booking is brilliant because he, he gets just angry, kept walking straight to the guy, and then he's yeah. just like, "Oh, that means I'm sent off, and I'll just keep walking down the tunnel." It was soft though. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have given a yellow card for that second one. It was a little like nudge, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was a yellow card. But yeah. let's move on. But to... usually, usually, I'm, I'm happy when Henderson plays against Everton because he's a bit of a liability. But he's been sent off, so they're probably oh, going to play Shakiri. Yeah. Oh fuck. Um, <laughs> Does anyone want to touch on the rest of the top six? I've got Arsenal, Everton, Man United here. Um, Arsenal won and dropped our Ozzle. Everton, because Jeff's here, and Man United, I don't want to talk about. So I've just <laughs> written crap. Yeah, Man United. There is absolutely game. nothing in that Man United game I want to talk about. You're the uh, innocent bystander. So of Arsenal, Everton, Man United games last week, which one would you choose to talk I about? I don't want to talk about Everton because I lost my bet because of Everton. Um, so I'm bitter. I don't really want to talk about Arsenal because it was a... Well, maybe it was an un-Arsenal win. In the, they, the game, they scrapped a win. They scrapped a win. Uh, perhaps this game will be memorable for one of the best own goals of the year. Lerma's old goal. Uh, if no one's seen Lerma's own goal, it is so good. <laughs> it's a quality strike. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, belted in the top corner. Um, he played different formation. Uh, no, no Lacazette. Um Abamyang is now joint top goal scorer in the league. Yep. Uh, he, he has been playing what, on the left. What did yeah. I read? Well, he's up front because there's no like I said this game. But um, he's been directly involved in something like 23 goals in 25 games since That's he's crazy. signed for Arsenal. There's, I think with I really rate him, and obviously he's good. Um, but I think he doesn't get the kudos he maybe should because he misses a lot of chances it does, he's yeah. a bit he reminds me of Andy Cole remember when Andy Cole was at Man United and everyone was just like yeah but he could score another 30 goals a season yeah he but misses, he misses a lot <laughs> but the reason he could do that is because he gets himself in those positions Abemiang's exactly the same he's got the pace he's got the movement he gets himself from positions he does miss a few but he's still the top scorer in the league doesn't so, matter just yeah. doesn't matter um 
we're going to skim through these games, but uh, I would like to just highlight a statistic. I'm going to talk about Man United, John. Okay. I'd like to highlight a, a stat I read this week that really is pretty damning. Romelu Lukaku has gone over 14 hours of football since his last goal at Old Trafford. That is 238 days ago. Wowzers. Wow. That is awful. <laughs> hey, wait, wait a minute. So he's, he's not scored at Old Trafford in 238 days? Yep, correct. Wow, good. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want to do that one more time? Because <laughs> I'm really going to ask again. I, um, do, you know, uh, do, do you want to know what I've got in my notes as for Man United? Um, I've got Man United can fuck off. <laughs> Empty stadium in Champions League. Like, I'm just like, I'm completely, I'm done with it. Where they hadn't scored a goal... Uh, for 220 minutes this morning before they got their last one, which yeah. is the same time it takes to fly to Turkey. One thing, <laughs> and one thing I will say, um, because, I'm not at ease. Um, because you keep giving me stats, but Mourinho obviously came out last week and said the young players, Martial, Lingard and stuff, they don't have the heart, they don't care, um, which is an utter disgrace and workplace bullying, so... Fuck off. Um, <laughs> Did you see this morning, by the way? Yeah. What a knob when he smashed yeah. the drinks. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, I was thinking about, okay, he's saying there's no leaders, there's no heart, there's no passion. If you take England a year ago, everyone was saying they don't care, they don't, uh, there's no leaders, there's no passion there. <clears throat> no one says that anymore. And do you know why that is? Because the manager has given the players the ability to lead and to have passion and to have faith in themselves. And their own identity. And their own identity. Jose Mourinho is not doing that. He's ripping that away. He's passed it. He's in the wrong job. It's time for him to go. I I think think he's gone from management. I agree. Uh, Old Mourinho, when Mourinho first came on the scene, had that. And he would... He did it a different way in that but his players would die for him at those early teams. Mm. Like he found a way that, and he took a lot of the pressure on, and it works. But I completely agree with you, and I think that's a really good comparison to use. And I think it's a credit to Gareth Southgate that you've used that because yeah. I completely agree. When I looked at the England team, there were no, I didn't we didn't have a way of playing when he came in. Yeah. We didn't have any leaders. We didn't have any depth, and now we're all raving about it. And, and that's, it's the same it's players. It's the he's, same players. He's yeah. given them that faith yeah. and that to do it, and it's just a different way of managing people. Yeah, yeah agreed. Southgate's interesting. Um, the championship. Uh, last thing. Oh, last thing, because we did have three games I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to give you one. If we're going to go statistic of every game, I'm going to give you one statistic of the Everton game, which I think was was pretty damning. One nil. Um, Against Cardiff. Do you know that the Cardiff goalkeeper, <laughs> Cardiff goalkeeper, got a yellow card for time wasting in the first half? I do. Yeah, it's a disgrace. You said to me on Monday when I was here that I should watch the Everton Cardiff mini match, and whilst I was eating dinner this evening, I did and went, "Well, this is a waste of time." But <laughs> the, was, the second half was good. Well, it was okay, but I did. I was like cooking some food, and then I heard. That's a yellow card for time wasting. I was like, "This is the first half." <laughs> I've been watching. I was like, "What's going on?" So, you, like, as far as far as setting your teams up to shut up shop, he is the next Big Sam. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, he's been doing it for a long time. Let's move on to the championship. We do try and touch on the championship every so often. It was the Birmingham derby this week. Villa v Birmingham. Um, Villa ended up winning four two in the end. Yeah. Was it? Um, but Alan. Lionel Messi Hutton <laughs> scored 
called a wonder goal. If everyone's not seen it, Alan Hutton, who is in his mid-30s, played for Rangers and Spurs um, and Scotland a lot in his time. He's basically passed it in a bit shit. Plays right back and picks up the ball in his own half and then runs with it and keeps running and running and running and then shoots and it goes in. And uh, I, I got annoyed about this though. It, it's not a wonder goal. It was crap, and all the all the media was going, "Oh, Alan, you know, Alan Hutton scored a scored a blinder," and oh, and I was like, "Oh, I bet I've got to go look this up." <laughs> and then I watched it, and I was like, "What a crap goal!" Like basically, he just ran. He just ran with the ball, and it bobbled around a bit off his shins, and he just kept running. And he just, it was like, you know, someone just told him, keep running, Alan, keep running. And, the, you know, it just sort of, everything fell into place. Players fell over in front of him. They got out of the way. It was like, but, but he didn't do anything. He basically just ran in a straight line for quite a long distance. It was a little Forrest Gump. No, I'm, I'm completely with Rog here. It's like Moses parted the yes. team. And, and, and he did his best to fuck it up. But he just about got there and then scuffed it in the corner with his wrong foot. I, I just... Like I get that he's a fullback, but it was, it was not. It was not a brilliant goal. Yeah, it was funny, but I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, wonder goal. I'm yeah. like, wonderful because he can run yeah. and he's 34. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> but I mean, yeah. But I, I, the other thing with that I did want to touch on was yeah. um, Dean Smith had a little bit of a rocky start as yeah, he as, took as over as manager. Steve Bruce, didn't he? Um, and it, he's. I think he's a really good coach. He's done. Um, done a lot of good things at Brentford for yeah. a while um, and it would hard not to be frustrated as a manager at Brentford because we've talked about this with Southampton they have a very good youth set up and for a number of years they don't have much resources but they've relying staying in the championship by essentially developing their youth players selling their best players and then putting that money back into the club but I think as a manager you, that would, you'd get frustrated mm. if, yeah, if you were an ambitious manager that you would only go so far with that and then he's gone to a bigger club. It didn't work straight away, but I, I mean, first few games. But they've now they're on a bit of a roll. They've clearly got uh, he's got a way of playing. He's got some good players there. I thought in this, I watched um, a bit of this game, and uh, you know they've got um, Tammy Abraham's there on loan. He's he played very well. Yeah. Um, they got Jonathan Codger, um, who looks good. The goals um, were well worked goals. Yeah. So I've got to say, you watching this game was a uh, it was quality football. Mm. I know we. We talk about the championship uh, in rhetoric, and we say that you know it's a very hard league, and there's lots of good quality football, and it's you know anyone can beat anyone, and 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 we go off on that on that yeah. um, storyline pretty pretty regularly. Or but there was there was some quality football in this game. There's some good players, some great goals, some some good tactics. So it was a really good game. I, I think Villa are a shout for. Um, you can't. You, you wouldn't write them off in terms of promotion. Like no, it's, the league's so close. There is a hell of a long way to run. Like going back to like stereotype championship <laughs> chat. There's, there's a long way to go with it. And like I, I said it last week, like you wouldn't. I don't think there's anyone that you would back there in the championship at the moment. And go, or oh, they're you, no. they're pretty much a certainty to go up. Like it no. almost it's a week by week proposition. Like it, which is why the championship's so great. Um, before we go on to next week's games, has anyone got any side stories they want to talk about? Um, uh, just one thing uh, I want to work from Champions League this morning yep. it's not a side story um, have you seen Ronaldo's assist no I've heard it's good I for Manjushik yeah I don't like Ronaldo as you well know no, yeah. but 
he's a pretty good footballer. <laughs> he's done all right. And he's, you know, he's now like evolved again and doing well at Juventus. Yeah. But his assist this morning, I still haven't figured it out. What, what does he do? It's a, a, what it's, a, it's the best single step over I think I've seen. <laughs> his foot moves so quickly. I, I wasn't sure. You know the Ronaldinho trick? Yeah. And Ronaldo used to do it, the in and, in in and, and out. out. Yeah. I was like, is it in, in and the out? flick flat. Yeah, the flick flat. Is it one of those or is it a step over? And I've watched it about 20 times and I'm still not sure because his foot moves so quickly that I don't, don't know. know. I think he's done a step over, but then on the way through with the end of the step over, he's just flicked the ball on. Yeah, so it's well, kind of like a step over, but not complete. And then before he gets to the end of it, he's, the ball's gone. But he'd left the defender. He was, he, you know, they were both stationary and he only had like two yards to work in and he just left him completely for dead and put it on a plate for Mandzukic. But I just, I still, I've watched it numerous times and I still can't quite figure out <laughs> what's, happened. what's happened and I'm like that is that is brilliant the guy's a genius I will watch it um, my, one thing I want to bring up is the River Plate Boca Juniors Copa Libertadores second oh, yeah. leg final um, which is now going to be played overseas it's going to be played neutral <laughs> area they had to basically postpone the second leg because the River Flans um Flans? Flans. <laughs> <laughs> the river Flans <laughs> threw bricks at the Bocker bus. Flans threw cakes. <laughs> they threw cakes at the bus. But I was trying to be serious and now I can't do it now. But, um, but yeah, they threw bricks through the windows and one of the, a few of the players had to go to hospital. Glass and, glass and stuff. In there. Tear gas. Tear gas went in the bus. So they had to stop the whole thing. And the... Argentinian presidents had to get involved and stuff and basically they said it's embarrassing for Argentina because we can't just hold a game of football without everyone getting hurt so it's a real shame um, and I really wanted to watch the second leg they had it all lined up yes, to be on SBS Sunday, Sunday I was morning. Just like, yeah I'm ready half six in the morning that's me done have you read the the reasoning for, for why they think it happened other than the fact that there's obviously a lot of violence in Argentinian mm-hmm. football but there's a um, a fan group uh, a flan group, a group for, <laughs> for River, um, who are essentially uh, gangsters, yeah. criminals, and one of their main income streams is selling tickets on the black market. And there was a police raid the, on the morning of the game, and they broke. The police went into you know one of the ringleaders' houses and um, took three hundred tickets that were going to be sold. Of the game amounts. for huge amounts of money, yeah. like hu- this game is oh, yeah, life and for death like for some people. Grand, It'd be like, huge amounts yeah. of money. So three hundred tickets is um, worth yeah. a lot of money, uh, and the police confiscated them um, and you know various other probably weapons and yeah. what have you. And there, there's a lot of speculation that this attack was actually a sort of revenge attack on the police and to wow, okay. stuff up the game and say you know you can't you can't do this to us. Rather than actually anything to do with the game, wow, which is just shit, because it's kind of like these guys don't—they pretend they care about football, but football is just the excuse for them to, to be to, to, to do what they want to do. Yeah, and so it's really, it's yeah. really disappointing. And you see the footage of the stuff being thrown at the bus, and there's like you know, there's kids there, there's women, there's lots of other fans that are just on their way to the game, and you're like, yeah. fucking, someone could. There was a picture die. of a lady. Taping um, tear gas to her um, baby's legs, her child's legs, 
underneath their trousers so they wouldn't see it. So because the, the kids wouldn't get searched by the police, he was like, "It's a game of football, people. Come on." Why like, are they taking like tear, tear gas into the game? Well, because they want to throw it at the away fans and stuff. Or, but there are no away no, fans. I don't know, like, they were taping things to babies to get them into the stadium. Like God. whatever it is, don't do that. Yeah, stop taping babies. And it's going to take away from the game because if they do go to, to another country, be, like is this? Yeah. Do you know where I've heard it's going to be? It's the talk of Italy, the UAE. I heard, I had heard that as well. Yeah, so it'd yeah. probably be wow. like bash it out in Qatar. Yeah, oh, because Qatar loves a bit of money making. Oh, they're always the mediator, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go on to end feature, there's a few games coming up that I reckon we should throw around a few predictions. So Champions League tomorrow morning, Spurs against Inter. Spurs, Spurs have to win this. Though. Have to win to still have a chance to get through. Is that Wembley? So they're at home. Can they do it? Yeah, I'll back them in. My only concern is that the Wembley pitch wasn't very good the weekend against Chelsea. It they they, awful, they had a strategy, but they played an NFL game there before the home game. Obviously, they've got a whole schedule of fixtures at Wembley that Spurs weren't expecting to compete with. Yeah, so um, Bruce Springsteen. So it's not just one game that no. of NFL. It's no, more, Jackson, the Jackson Jack- Jaguars play there. Use it as a home stadium. Like, a home every, stadium every now and then. On so the other like side a of the few world. games, but there's there's lots of things there that can't be rescheduled. Yeah. So my only concern is it's a home game. Spurs play a very quick type of football. They had a strategy against Chelsea into play a very slow type of football. And the middle of the park was like a bog. So if that suits anyone, it suits Inter. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I I want Spurs to do it, but I just don't know if they're going to... I kind of think it's going to be a draw. Um, the other game tomorrow morning that I really want to watch is PSG against Liverpool. Now, Liverpool need to win after they lost to Napoli draw or they lost to Napoli had a bad red star. Mm. They had a bad result against Red Star. But basically, Liverpool need to win away at PSG. Um, Neymar and Mbappe are back from injury. Mm. Um, but I think it's just going to be awesome. Like, it's PSG's whole life is about. I just the can't get League. excited about PSG, though. Like, I want to get excited about this game because I'm like, it's a big game. But I. I just hate PSG. I hate no, everything like they stand for. The big bully at school fail. It's like watching kind of the big guy fall over and smack his face on the ground. Like PSG win have won fourteen out of fourteen in the French league. They're fifteen points clear. Could go unbeaten. All bookies in France have paid out on them winning the league. The thing already. is, this like, is this is it. This is why they won't win the Champions League. They're not used to competitive football, yeah. and that's what's happened for the last few years. As soon as they come up against a good team in the Champions League, they're not good at it because they don't know what it's like. They, they've got no mongrel about yeah. them. I, but uh, Liverpool do. But do you think Liverpool will win? Yeah, I do. Um, so going on to next week. So next Sunday in the Premier League is basically Derby Day. Um, now, there's a bunch of games on Saturday, like boring Man City and stuff, boring Man United and stuff. <laughs> what do you know? It's a very even week. I think this, this week, week. Like we, I know there's the derbies and we'll talk about them, but I think you go through every game and it's a bit of a weird week in that pretty much every game is kind of like the same, apart from Man City, Bournemouth. They're all so evenly matched. Yeah, including Southampton against Man United, evenly matched. Yeah. Um, but on Sunday... <laughs> There is a good run of derbies. The first one is Chelsea against Fulham. Now, I'm just going to put it out there. Fulham are paying $17. Whoa! 17 That's worth a pound. I looked at that today for a good five minutes and went, oh, Chelsea are playing... Have you bet on it? No, I have not. <laughs> um, but Chelsea are playing 17. in the Europa League on Thursday. 
They play Fulham on the early game um, on Sunday. They've obviously lost last week to Spurs. Fulham have got a new manager, just won a game. The new manager is the ex-Chelsea manager. And everyone's seen a blueprint of how to beat Chelsea. And now, how do you beat Chelsea? Put someone on Jorginho. Like, everyone knows. And they're going to work they, it out, but they might not work <laughs> it out by next Sunday. Is it, but, but do Fulham have a player like Deli Alley, or will they be able to afford having two players like Everton did? Tom Kearney can do it. Um, and so probably he, will, because he yeah. played sort of number 10 last week. But yeah, so I... I don't think Fulham are going to win, but they worth, could. Worth a five. But that's yeah. overpaying, I think. Yes. You're right. Um, the other derbies are the North London derby, Arsenal against Spurs. Um, what do you reckon? It, it, I'm going to sit on the fence here. I think it depends what happens this morning. Yeah. It, it depends what happens. So by the time anyone listens to this shed, they'll know what happens. And my prediction is that <laughs> <laughs> if Spurs beat Inter, Spurs will beat Arsenal. If Spurs draw or lose, Arsenal will beat Spurs. I think that's not a bad shout. My only um, caveat to that is Arsenal play away in Ukraine on Thursday and the Ukraine government has just introduced military law. Martial law on the East Coast, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So there was talk of the game getting cancelled, but they're going to go ahead. Um, but that's going to be a mildly stressful experience for the players. Um, Yeah, I agree. And it's a long old trip. So, I, I I think Spurs will actually get a result out of that. I, I think we'll maybe run the ratings, but I don't think Arsenal haven't. When Arsenal have played the big teams this year, they've lost. Yeah. Yes, they've been good, and you know we give them credit, but maybe we're underrating Spurs. I think Spurs should go into this game. Caveat on that, they, they've. they've the two biggest teams they played are the first two games of the season and they've won every game since true. And, and, they, they, and they had chances against both they played Liverpool yeah. and they drew two all yeah, yeah true yes. so basically you're wrong Rog um, <laughs> lastly and we'll run out of time so quickly Liverpool Everton love the Merseyside derby everyone's got a one of the best games derby. of the season um, have Everton got a chance Rog no have they got a chance <laughs> Jeff definitely <laughs> but, but my problem is that I can spend all year rooting for Bruce Willis and John Coffey <laughs> apart from one week and, yes. and I looked at the fixtures two weeks uh, uh, yeah it's two weeks of the year and, and <laughs> I looked at the fixtures and I was like ah oh. you know I had this this Armageddon feeling for, for a while and, you know, and uh, I've, I've absorbed the fact that it's okay if Liverpool win that doesn't bother me too much and then I looked at the fixtures and I was like oh but just not this it's week, not this week. <laughs> well but that would be then it'd be five points because Man City will beat Bournemouth title race over but that's it yeah, yeah it'll so be yeah, over uh, but I genuinely think that Everton have got a chance I think you've got a chance of getting a point yeah, I don't, I I don't think you're I see oh, because it's at Anfield that you, you won't win at Anfield but I think you, I can see it being one all. I could, your defense is looking better. Yerry Mina, in my opinion, is still a car crash. He's not conceded a goal, John. Yeah, I know, but he's still just he, he, the Derby's perfect well. scenario for him to get sent off. Michael Keane is playing brilliantly this yeah. season. Uh, Yerry Mina has not conceded a goal since he's been on the pitch for Everton. I think that last year we were playing for a draw, looking for a draw, hoping for a draw, got a draw, Rooney penalty, draw. Yeah. This year, we're looking to win, which means we are either going to lose or win. Draw is not a result for this game. Right. We, we will play an attacking front four. No, okay. Um, uh, my, 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 my second hunch is that I think Adam Lookman will start instead of Theo Walker. He should definitely start. He's yeah, well, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go on to the end feature, Jeff. Have you got a uh, little song for us? Are you ready? Yeah.
Good one. Is that is that same or is that different? No, it goes up. Oh. Goes up. Sounded same. Goes up. Yeah. Um, so last week in the end feature, um, we all lost again. <laughs> yeah, let's just, now, can we just not talk about it if we lose? No, no, we have to mention it. But I think I like public service announcement. I think it's time we start winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you won't of, like my I'm, get, I'm, getting sick, I'm getting sick of this losing yeah like we were we were well ahead for a long while and now we're a little behind so it's now time to put faith back in the listeners and go oh they do know what they're talking about so we're going to start winning okay I'm ready so what? Are you, how are you going to win Jeff so I, I feel like this is the worst person to go I'm to but it's a hard week this week it's, a, it's, it's a multi I think that Brighton are going to beat Huddersfield okay away and Huddersfield are on a good run. Yeah. When you say good run, they've won a game. <laughs> no, they've won like three in a row. That's no, not true. That's Newcastle. Well, Huddersfield have won two in a row then. Yeah. A game. Um, and my second is that Everton will beat Liverpool and Field. <laughs> are you serious? Oh, and that is paying $27. <laughs> now, you guys laugh, but just you wait. I'm going to bring us back into the black. <laughs> In black well, you boys, will. come if on! It, well, if yeah. it comes in, then you're, it's you're just not going to happen. Probably in the lead. <laughs> um, wow, <laughs> Roger, what have you gone for? Well, I, I'm wishing I would have put something on Fulham after your comment. I'd missed that game because I think because it was later on. But I, I'm uh, feeling a bit exposed this week because I made a bit of a, a faux pas with my bet. I don't know what I did, but I pressed some funny button, and I've actually got thirty dollars riding on my bet this oh. week. And it's a really crap bet because I, I struggled um, to find something that I wanted to bet on. But I and so I've bet on it's I'm a multi. So bored yeah. already. I've bet on the multi, <laughs> but I've also bet on the results of both games, and I have no idea how I've done it. But <laughs> anyway, and it's I feel really not confident about it. But what, what, so, John, what's your bet this week? I have gone for uh, Wolves to beat Cardiff. Yeah. So we Wolves are on a really bad run, which yeah. we haven't so talked that's about. A shit bet. F- five games without a win, so I feel like they are getting dragged into the bottom eight, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and and really need they need a win to, yeah. to otherwise they will get dragged in. Um, and after this morning, I can't believe I've bet on it, but I've gone with Southampton's shitness over Man United's just horrible horrible play and I've bet on Man United to beat Southampton the Mark Hughes derby the Mark Hughes derby and it's paying five dollars I've gone for Man City Bournemouth for there to be one and a half goals or more in the first half can you bet that they're going to score within like three three metres from the goal possibly if you phoned up you might Um, four goals from three (laughs) metres one and a half goals in the first half so the first half there'll be at least two goals okay yep and I've actually bet on Fulham at plus three first Chelsea. And that's paying $2.89 altogether. So Fulham against Chelsea just needs to not lose by three nails. What's that paying, that part of it? The... Uh, about $1.70. So you're both wow. looking for an Everton win here. <laughs> Love that. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? No. No. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back in the shed next week. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on social media. Just search Footballshed. And don't forget to leave us a review, tell your mates, listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Jeff's going to say something. Yeah, I did have one thing. Yeah, so, you know, um, when Deli Ali scored, 
Yeah. And then Son scored. It yeah. says Alison. That's the name of your <laughs> wife, Rog. And Liverpool's goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. There wow. we go. Alison. Who would have thought? <laughs> there we go. Creating words from words. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>